electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Money starts right now, live from the Nasdaq market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Pete Najarian, Tim Seymour, Dan Nathan, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, the crypto carnage rages on. It's a sea of red, and no one is spared as Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Ethereum, Litecoin, and Ripple are reeling. We've got a top technician to tell you the key levels to watch. Plus, where is the crypto baller, Brian Kelly? And to our Twitter followers and trolls, no, he isn't hiding, but he is out of the country. We've tracked him down, and he'll tell us how he's trading the crypto carnage. But first, we start off with the Dow, closing about 26,000 for the first time ever. And everything is awesome. Apple, with a major announcement, is jumping on the Trump train, bringing jobs back here to the U.S., plus companies putting more money into the hands of the American people, and corporate America turning on the faucet to spend and invest more. And you know, it's not just awesome. Stock market ecstasy, a place where money just seems to grow and grow. The Dow on fire today, surging more than 300 points for a record close. The S&P 500 closing at a record, too. So all last year, we heard over and over the tax cuts were priced in. But as corporate America soaks in the benefits and starts spending, could this just be the beginning of the run, or as we are calling it, stock market ecstasy? Got wow. It. Hey, Guy. Oh, quick, would quick, quick, quick would you rather. Very white. Tegan and Sarah versus Barry White. Barry White, all day long, Barry White. And 24 <laughs> and hours Sarah. ago, we sat on this desk, and I said, you know what? The move we saw today, meaning yesterday, yes. was eerily reminiscent of February 10, 2016, when the SSP traded down 1810, reversed close higher on the day. And you saw a similar day yesterday in terms of the reversal. We also pointed out the VIX, which was up all day long, despite the market being up at one point, then lower. I didn't see today coming. I mean, if people saw today coming, good for them, because it clearly wasn't in this camp. Not that I was calling the top, but I thought you'd have a little follow through to the downside. What does that tell you? Well, VIX was up today, which I still think maybe there's a warning sign there, but the things that have worked continue to work. We've been on casinos now since we were in Las Vegas with Mr. Wynn. Remember that whole yeah, thing? Yeah, spring. The pa- Pedro pointed out Steve Wynn buying Wynn when it was a $55 58. stock. Bottom, $58, $58 yep. stock. Yep. So Bottom certain things still work. Honeywell still on fire. Bank's earnings, I thought Goldman Sachs was actually decent. I don't think it deserved the move that sort of the downside, but I understand what people are saying. Is this the, is this the next leg higher? I'm not certain. If the VIX had been down 10% today, then I could have played that game. But the VIX was still sort of unchanged and slightly higher. So the VIX's rise today is going to trump the news that we're getting from companies now that they're actually spending money, that they're using the benefits of tax reform to spend money and therefore create this whole other halo effect, which we may not even be putting into right. economic models. I, I, don't, I don't think people can. And in fact, when Apple talks about $350 billion and 20,000 jobs and a new headquarters and blah, 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 it gives you a sense of really what this can be in terms of where companies haven't really given you that kind of a guidance. And analysts can't do anything with this, frankly. So uh, if you look 
at where the market could be concerned. First of all, I think we answered our question today we asked last night. I, the VIX was largely about Washington, and I wasn't so sure. Um, but now that you get back to a market that is screaming higher with at least expectations that are also, though, I think absurdly high, look at rates. We're about up to 260 again on the 10-year. We have a dollar that's probably got some import inflation that I think people aren't factoring into their Fed models. And I think those are the things right now that have to be the most concerning for this market, because otherwise, valuations right now for a lot of these companies do look like they're getting better, not worse. I want to know, yeah. where are we in this run? What inning Still are we in of, this lots run? Of what inning are we in Huge upside, well, what, I'd what, say the fourth. The fourth, the fourth, bottom fifth of the fourth, inning, the we still the... got plenty of room to the upside. Really? As everybody, we really haven't even started to scratch the surface of the next company. We heard about Apple today, and boy, did that get everybody excited. Not just for Apple, but I think the entire stock market actually started to feed off of some of that. Guy brings up Boeing. Take a look at the way Boeing has traded the last couple of days. The other thing I think is incredible is yesterday was the highest volume trading day and options in the last couple of years. I mean, it was huge. Again today, 23 million options trading yesterday, 30 million. So far on the year, we're averaging almost 22 and a half million per day. So the volume is there. You get a 300 plus movement yesterday. That's why the VIX is as high as it is. We got a 300 plus move again in the Dow. So we have a VIX that actually is measuring what the movement is finally, and that's the kind of moves we're getting in the market. Uh, let so me you're bring in it the to you guys. Camp. He's yeah, in the ecstasy camp. Yeah, I'm not. seeing insanity. I mean, you know, listen, Boeing is up 19% on the year. It's up 19% How's their cash on flow? the year. Oh, dude, they. Come on. Okay, listen, okay, it's dragging the Dow up right now. This is absolute insanity to be here and saying we're in the fourth inning of this thing. I'm not telling you that you're wrong. I'm just saying that we can't like get to the seventh inning before yeah, we have like some sort of pullback here because what's going on right now is very dangerous. I have not seen parabolic moves in stocks like this in a very The revision long time. of earnings, though, doesn't that sort of stand out for you big time when you start to see some of these revised earnings based upon what's going on from a tax perspective, what they're able to do with that money? Some of the repatriation, which is starting, obviously, Apple. That's what really kicked Apple things did, off today. I know, right? I know, but listen, what's going on here? They said we're going to add 20,000 jo 20, 20, jobs. 20,000 jobs. That's really insignificant. They're probably retail jobs. At fourteen dollars an hour. But you got twenty thousand Apple, twenty thousand this company, twenty thousand that company. Okay, Doesn't so we're, we're done talking about automation. We're done talking about all these things that like the smartest people in the world. No, are but it's better it's to have that than just have workforces. automation taking the jobs, okay. right? I, I think you're having the wool pulled over your eyes here, right well, now. Well, by the I mean, way, twenty thousand jobs really, here, twenty thousand jobs there. Ultimately, it's a real you, <laughs> but, but it gets you to a place where we have okay, so a wait, market oh, that I think is So let me ask you: On repatriation, are we going to see a lot of M and A? Because what happens? Do we create jobs during M and A? Does that happen? Why are you yelling at me, man? Bottom line here is. Apple creates $50 billion of cash flow every single year. They've got 350 offshore. They're bringing it back. They're going to take a charge. There's nothing bad about that. And in fact, as an American, that's a good thing to see. No doubt Ultimately, that is what they wanted to inspire. What you're saying about are we in the fourth inning or are we in the seventh inning or we can't get to the seventh but fourth? Look, euphoria right now, business confidence, consumer confidence, and positioning in the market is extreme. There's no way around it. I agree with that, Dan. But the reality is I think you have a, a, a dynamic on the economy side that is something that people really don't know where corporates are going. And that's, and that's a positive to the upside. Fascinating conversation, really. I mean, because i got to tell you something. Yeah. Yesterday, I, I'll say it again, you know, the move yesterday was eerily reminiscent of a move we saw literally two years ago, almost within a month or so, to the day. If right. you remember that day, going back February 10th, yeah. 1810 of the S&P, all of a sudden you had J.P. Morgan, Jamie Dimon announced buying J.P. Morgan stock when it was $54. You had the bond offering, I think, at Deutsche Bank, and you had some OPEC news. You had the three-pronged attack, and the market never looked back. You didn't get necessarily the same headlines yesterday negative, but the reversal was significant, and the elevated VIX 
at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day said something. Now, to the fact that the market's up 300 today, was it a lot of Apple? Might have been. I don't know. But I got to tell you, I, after yesterday, I did not see it today It even coming. pulled up the financials towards the end of the day, which I thought was pretty interesting yeah, because they had turned and burned to the downside. And then suddenly you're looking, all of a sudden Bank of America goes into the green. Goldman Sachs did stay down, but I'm with you. That's a really interesting name. I thought their earnings were actually spectacular. Now, they missed, obviously, in FIC. That was down huge, down 50%. But we know that's going to be bad. I think we expect what's going to be bad, but is there anything good? When you shine the light on investment banking for Goldman Sachs and it's up 41%, you go, wow, $2 billion. I know percentage-wise it's only 23% of what they do. But still, there's something there. And if that turns into well, FIC, if that actually returns, they've been wrong forever. They have been absolutely – Goldman Sachs – has been killed in that trading world. They have been wrong, wrong, wrong in the commodity space, it right? It seems like what Apple announced today reignited the belief that tax reform has a lot more juice and that maybe yes. financials, we, we sort of forgot for a little bit that financials were going to be the biggest beneficiary, but then we say, you know what, maybe there are other legs to this yeah. that we aren't looking at right now. And Apple also saying, by the way, that it's going to give $2,500 dollars in bonuses right. in the form of stock to its employees. But that's these, another leg of, of wealth effect, right? There's no question. The and, and, I, and I think it's front loaded. And I, that's why the airlines and that's why the autos are kicking it, because those are places where disposable income is going to go right away. Uh, back to the banks. It, it, this was not supposed to be a good quarter. These numbers right. were not supposed to be good. Right. Fick in the fourth quarter everywhere was Very terrible. Lumpy. We're obviously getting rid of this deferred tax benefit. And yet I think the financials trade great. They are the easiest to argue in favor of in a market where I think the you know people are concerned how toppy we are. Those valuations, to me, look very interesting. I still think European banks, which have underperformed U.S. banks by 140% over the last six, seven years, which have now outperformed them, even during this upswing, are a lot more interesting because I think the global market is a lot more interesting, frankly, entirely. We know how you feel about the market, but are you net long or are you net short this market? Um, after expiration on Friday, I'm going to have some shorts roll off that are totally worthless. I, I mean, here's the thing. Let me tell you what I saw today. I saw a lot of panic buying. I saw semiconductor stocks up 3% as a whole. I saw stocks like Texas Instruments that closed yesterday at an all-time high up 5.5% today because an analyst raised their price target by 7%, and it's going straight to the number. I've lived through these periods in the market before. It's not particularly rational. I can't tell you when it's going to end, and I'm not calling a top, but this behavior is insane. It's not ecstasy. It's insane. And so, to me, it doesn't Saturday. really set up on January 17th as a real conducive setup for, you know, double-digit gains. In for general, just to push back a little bit, in general, wouldn't you say the semis in general are relatively inexpensive, though, in the broad scheme of things? And if you look at applied materials and KLAC and some of those on the other side that are feeding into that whole world, they're still very I inexpensive. I, so, I don't disagree with you, but all, right. all those stocks that you just mentioned were up 5% today for no reason other than the fact that investors are panicking in the second week of the year. No, well, I mean, don't you think it's because it looks like the Broadcom, um, Qualcomm thing is falling apart and Qualcomm and XPI may be falling apart, which totally reshuffles in terms of Any who M &A can link there. up and yeah. where the consolidation could be. Everybody all of a sudden it's has a, a target on their back. Well, you know, you brought up Qualcomm. I'm glad you brought it up because I still think in terms of their balance sheet and what's going on, Broadcom, NXPI, Qualcomm on its own should be higher than it is. I under, A lot of the problems that they've faced over the last couple of years were self-induced. I think they're past that. I think people are not looking at the valuation of the company properly. There are some stocks that are expensive. I mean, we can't argue that NVIDIA isn't expensive right. where it's currently trading, but I don't think we're talking about that. Then on the other side of the coin, you look at Micron and some of the dialogue out of them. That stock to me is cheap, so we'll see. You guys forget. I mean, you must have 
have very short memories or you're just getting a little older. I'm getting old. I mean, like, I just remember in the, in the fall, or excuse me, in the first quarter of 2000, I remember in early 2007, people couldn't think of a single reason why the markets would go down. And we're in that phase right now, and we're reaching a panic buying phase. So I'm not telling you that we're going to crash. I'm not telling you to go to cash or this and that or whatever. There are but what I'm telling you is there to those markets. We rallies. all know that there are risks there? out there. No, though, I, I, know, yeah. I understand, but yeah. it's never been like this before, Pete, where interest rates are where they are, where volatility is where it is, where supposedly we're going into a global tightening phase, okay? We have a lot of geopolitical uncertainty here right now. So to me, it just seems, again, we're at Jan 17, and we have the NASDAQ up 6.5%, we have the S&P up 5%, and it seems a little irrational. And to be fair, just yesterday we were talking about the biggest reversal in two years. We were panicking. We were saying, is this the end of the bull run? Right. The fact that we can have the same conversation about stock market ecstasy and is this the end to the bull run in a period of two days. Well, Doesn't that tell you something ahead. about well, the, the fragility of this as well? I mean, well, the doubt that people do have about valuations being this high? Look, people should have plenty of doubt. The yeah. things that Dan is saying are, are, I think, very rational thoughts. I think, ultimately, if you think about the Reagan tax cut in 86 and where we got to in 87, I mean, there's a lot of analogs that people are breaking out that do make a lot of sense. When I talk about confidence being absurdly high and positioning be, being extreme, there's no question about it. People talk about the retail guy, you know, who's been on the sidelines. He's in the market. Let's be clear. He's in the market. Cash levels on the institutional level are places we haven't been since probably 2003. So this market has done a lot of digging. Um, I think the, 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 sorry, the systemic um, kind of concerns here are ones where, frankly, from a global economic perspective, we have synchronized global growth. We may be late cycle, but it was a cycle that was basically going nowhere until we got a little bit of fiscal follow-through. We're losing monetary policy. We're getting fiscal. There could actually be an infrastructure package. Europe could actually be tightening for the right reasons. These are reasons to be excited, and there's a lot of places to still find stocks that aren't expensive. What did you do today? Well, I was shocked at what I mean. I looked, I watched the market today and said, how are we up 300 after the reversal we saw yesterday? The, the one thing I will say, again, I'll say is the VIX, the fact that the VIX, I understand what Pete's saying, down 300, up 300, the VIX is probably trading where it should. But over the last six months on a day like today, given the move yesterday, you would have seen the VIX down 10 to 15 percent. You didn't see it today. Tomorrow shapes up as a fascinating day. What did you do today? I'm buying MLPs. I'm buying materials. I'm buying Semex. I'm buying AMZA. I'm buying things that I think are, are going to participate it's in the, that yeah. next wave. And I think if, if you want to protect yourself, Dan says this stuff's going to roll off on Friday worthless, but you're not net short. I mean, ultimately, yeah. I think this is a great case for people to be defending long positions. Well, I will tell you this. I did panic yesterday morning on that gap up before the market <laughs> sold off, and I cut some shorts because the semis, you know, that was one that I've had on. I've been trading around it a little oh, bit. It just feels a little irrational. So so I'm cutting my losses in some of those things. You know, my discipline had me actually selling more than buying in the last couple of days. Yeah. And I think there's been great opportunities to do that. One of the names that I bought just yesterday was Intel. And why did I buy Intel? I think it's cheap. I mean, we were, you were just talking about Simmons. I think it's cheap. I think when I look at the growth perspectives that they've got and the acquisitions they've made, they will continue to do that, by the way. And when they repatriate, that'll even give more money to do more M&A. So I think there are names out there that still exist that actually aren't inflated and aren't insane, and that's one of them. All right, coming up, despite today's massive rally, General Electric and Goldman Sachs are the two Dow Downers getting crushed today. And someone on this desk says one of these names is a screaming buy, plus... It's a Bitcoin bust, the cryptocurrency having its worst two-day stretch in three years. Top technician Rich Ross will tell us if he thinks it's safe to buy the crypto crush. And later, Pete Najarian is as pumped up as his Minnesota Vikings heading into the NFC Championship this Bikes. weekend. And that's because he's got one sock he says is about to take off. The name and much more when Fast Money returns.
Welcome back to Fast Money. Goldman Sachs posting its first quarterly loss in six years, and that kicks off our top trades. Check out shares of the investment bank falling nearly 2% as the rest of the market rallied. Yes, Goldman did warn they would take a one-time hit on the new tax bill, but here's a breakdown of the real bloodbath for the quarter. Fixed income down 50%, overall trading down more than 30%, equities down 14%, which begs the question, should CEO Lloyd Blankfein be trading more, tweeting less? Take a look at some of his recent posts. Tweeting a view of the Statue of Liberty from his building, including some of the president's choice words, mocking the president's infrastructure week, one with a, a photo with Jack Dorsey, and uh, also a tweet about yogurt and cake calories. Uh, Guy Dami certainly upped his Twitter game. Good for him. Lloyd can do whatever he wants. Lloyd is in, in the... No, he can't. In the hierarchy <laughs> no, he of can't. Wall Street. Do you hear me read off, yeah. tick off the declines they've had across yeah. their businesses? You and you know why, and you know why the declines in those businesses? Because trading, speculative trading, prop trading has become a four-letter word on Wall Street. They are shackled. They are not allowed it to do what they a did a decade ago. Wall Street for a very long yeah. time and now. That's, and and you're going to continue to see those business. things. But you look at the EPS beat, revenue beat. Yes, book value went from 190 down to 181. That's a little disappointing. But the quarter was fine. We can pick on FIC, and we have done for the last six quarters, it seems like. And they're having a difficult time. By the way, the, the overall global pie of fixed income currency and commodities not has, is not yeah, good I mean, either. So, I mean, the pie is getting smaller. With that said, do not bet against against what's going on at J. Aaron and fixed income currency and commodities. They will absolutely turn that around. J. Aaron, that's old school. How about, you know, the real thing I'd like to ask you, stock to book, right? I mean, we talk about that mostly in the financial world. And we look at this stock right now, and you're looking at the price, and you're saying, hey, look, this thing still looks very cheap. You look I at agree. the P.E., that looks pretty cheap. You look at do they have growth and do they have weakness? We already know the weakness. They've got to improve on the weakness. They know that. Lloyd knows that. They've lost a lot of intellectual property in the last Two, three, four, five years. Just think mm -hmm. about some of the guys. Gary Cohn comes to mind, but a lot of different names where they've lost folks that that we thought were so smart before, and maybe they were even smarter than we thought because based upon what we're seeing, this stock, however, was 217 in mid-September. We were just 262 this morning before we actually pulled back five bucks. Still too cheap. Why do I invest in Goldman's? If I am an investor in financials, in part and a big driver, because I believe that. Tax reform will benefit them with a lower tax rate. And Goldman Sachs' new tax rate is 24%. Their old one was 28%. They're not benefiting as much as some others out there, like a Bank of America. Why would I go with Goldman Sachs, which has an outside uh, uh, exposure to trading, plus less of a tax benefit than other banks? Well, you, you can also make an argument that the guys who are the most effective at helping other companies exploit tax loopholes um, don't do as well in an environment where companies don't need to do that. I mean, right. they made a lot of money uh, on legitimate, by the way, very smart tax schemes and structure. Well, so I think Goldman, though, in an area of less regulation and in an era of global growth and in a banking presence in a franchise that is still the top in class um, is doing just fine. Well, and in fact, if it's cheap here to the, to the group, you go after Well, I would it. just say that that's the only reason why you would take a shot here relative to the others. The underperformance speaks to the fact how they used to make their money when they were earning 20 bucks a year um, or, you know, uh, 2007, 2008 before the financial crisis. So the only way you would take that bet right now is if you thought that Volcker and some of these regulations were going to get rolled back this year, and then you would see the stock not? go straight. Well, I'm just saying, but then you would see the stock go straight to $300. Do you think Blank Fund's under pressure? No. And, 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 and listen, Guy, I think you successfully secured your invite to the Goldman no, Sachs alumni party. You're back at the party. Here. The J I mean, yeah. We have a reunion every year. I just want to make sure. I'm not a Goldman apologist. Look at Lloyd's history. 
I happen, I was there for a long time, so I have an absolute soft spot, but for good reason. I mean, some of the smartest and some of the best people, by the way, this desk included, are people I worked with at Goldman Sachs, guys and gals. I don't think Pete just meant, mentioned a single out guys. I mean, guys right. and gals there are tremendous. You went out of way to say them. that we didn't measure up to Goldman, right? You hear what no, he no. said? This desk included. It was like... Anyway. Hey, let's not in, forget anyway, not what's the point? What's the no, point? My, my point is, if you bet against Lloyd Blankfein, you've done that over the last 10 years. You do it at your own peril. Lloyd will figure this out. Is he in trouble? Absolutely not. It's his job until he wants to do something else. All right, still ahead. Every single one of Pete Nigerian's pitches have hit it out of the park. And now he's got a new name that he says will be the next home run. He'll tell us what that is. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. The Internet is the future of business. We have to be on the Internet. That was so 1997. Now it's blockchain and AI. And there's one Dow stock that's cashing in on both. We'll give you the name. Plus... Yeah, that sums up the heat our BK's been getting on Twitter. But rather than run, he's going to face the fire. And your tweets, live on air, when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Bitcoin sinking below $10,000 before recovering most of its losses. But despite today's comeback, Bitcoin is still seeing a market cap loss of around $156 billion since hitting highs a month ago. So while Bitcoin is having its month of hell, it is not the only coin that has slumped. Ripple losing more than $100 billion in market cap since hitting all-time highs just two weeks ago. Ethereum and Litecoin both also seeing market cap losses of $40 billion and $11 billion respectively since plunging from their highs. And though the crypto market has been nothing less than volatile, the past few days have marked the first big sell-off in cryptocurrencies since many retail investors piled into the space over Thanksgiving weekend. So now that America has seen the dark side of crypto, is a sell-off signaling more pain to come? Dan. Uh, it could be. And just like markets overshoot to the upside, they can overshoot to the downside. This has been a really um, speculative period for almost two months now. I mean, the run-up that we saw in November into December, um, you know, towards the end of December, and, you know, a, a mania broke. The fever broke, and now it has the potential to go lower. And I think what's important to remember is the people who've been in this since 2013, they've seen these sorts of fluctuations for years. This is new yeah. to speculators, people like myself, who've been gambling in it over the last year. And that's what it is. And, and I just want to link this up to the conversation we were having a little bit before in the, in the stock market today, that we're starting to see, in my opinion, some of that irrational exuberance in stocks, in single stocks. So to me, I think that the air came out of crypto it's likely to come back at some point i don't know from where but now we're seeing a little bit of that excitement in single stocks which to me is a little dangerous well we separated i think crypto at least from the market yesterday and i think in a down market crypto gets killed market does what it does up market it's very different but i do think you have a place where people have levels that they want to play uh, i think in bitcoin if you look at the level 12,500 roughly on the charts was at least the uptrend which it absolutely violated um, but i think one of the reasons why people love crypto also is because you can trade this and there is this volatility i trade that trust intraday. You know, NAV, GBTC. premium, who cares what there is? My sense is when I come in and what I've seen with the way this trades is it opens down huge. So what's and your range on, on grayscale Bitcoin investment trust? Uh, what is the range? So today, so today, today, today I bought it at 1430 and I uh -huh. sold it at 1630. Okay. And to me, that's a trade that obviously I had very little insight into how we got there other than I felt like uh, the risk is to the upside after a settling out. I'm happy to be there. It's a real quick. And you tweeted yeah. this today, so I'm giving you credit. But City came out 
on today said possible fall to 56.05 to 56.73 in Bitcoin yeah. could be speedy. Great. How do you, I mean, come on, 56.05 to 56.73, that's the absurdity of, but that's how absurd the whole thing has gotten, in my opinion. Yeah, agreed. Crypto Carnage has our next guest looking at some key levels to watch for two cryptocurrencies in particular. So let's go off the charts with the one and only Rich Ross of Evercore ISI. He's over at the Plasma to break it down. Hey, Rich. Hi, Melissa. Look, once bitten, twice shy. There's only one number that matters in Bitcoin. I'm going to show you what it is here. So look at this gray line here. That's the 100-day moving average. Okay, comes in around 88.48, 88.58. In Chinese, eight's good luck. And today it worked in Satoshi. He's from Japan. He founded Bitcoin. Stay with me. Now, why is it important here? This is over two years. Here's your moving average. You hold, you hold, you hold. I don't know if it holds. It probably doesn't hold, but it's good for a bounce off these levels. Keep in mind, this doesn't look like much on the chart, given the magnitude of the move. We're looking at a log scale chart. Once again, you can Google it, look it up. You've lost half your money, 50 percent in just a month. So it's never safe to buy Bitcoin. Let's be crystal clear about that. Now, look, let's take a look at the Ether. Hunter S. Thompson here. OK, here's the purple line done a little bit better. It's only been trading for about six months publicly. This is the 50 days. So you kind of test and hold here today. But once again, you're not going to sleep well at night with the warm blanket of the 50-day as your security, given something that has a 45% intraday range like we saw today. That's ludicrous. So there's your Bitcoin. There's your Ethereum. There's some levels to watch. But once again, let's not overplay it, either the technicals or the fundamentals, whatever those might be, as it pertains to the cryptocurrencies. Uh, Rich comes over, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, mean, I don't know why I asked. Why do you even ask? He's in the Pantheon. He's in the Pantheon. Thank you, Karen. Pantheon. Pantheon. Good to see you. Thank you. You too. You know, Rich, when it comes to these charts, what strikes me is that it feels like this recent move higher has been fueled in large part by so-called weak hands. And in the stock world, that would be very uh, sort of a bad thing, right? I mean, this reminds me of, remember when there was a biotech shake? And biotech was going up and up and up. And all of a sudden, everybody and their brother owned biotech stocks. Generalists owned biotechs. And then there's a shakeout. It took a long time for it to come back because those weak hands never reentered the market. How does that factor in, the fact that, the recent move higher was not done by strong hands, so to speak. <laughs> well, look, there's weak hands in stocks, and then there's what we just showed on the chart, which is almost like tiny, tiny little baby hands. You know, I think the average age of the Bitcoin <laughs> trader on the Coinbase app, from what I hear anecdotally, <laughs> is, is closer to 13 <laughs> than it is to 45. So let's just be perfectly clear. There are people trading it because you can download an app and be up and running with a credit card in a matter of seconds. So let's not even compare this to stocks for a second. Mm -hmm. What bothers me is that we're staring at the greatest bull market in the last 20 years where you can double your money in like one of the world's best industrial companies like a Boeing, which is sort of pillaring here for no good reason, up over 200 percent in two years. And we're talking about this thing here that's lost 50 percent of its value in a month. So if you have a choice, pile A is stocks, which are like awesome. And pile B is this is sort of a pile. So I like pile A. There's a lot to like about stocks. Rich, why, why the 100-week average? Why is that so powerful? And, and you know, is it just for Bitcoin? Or is this your bottom line determined for everything? No, it's a, it's a great question. I got that today. The only reason you use it is because it's worked. You know, people say, well, what moving average do you, is your favorite? Got it. My favorite moving average is the, one, is the one that works. So Bitcoin, as you see, over two years, whatever method there is to the madness, which is almost none in terms of the methodology, it's about the only thing that's worked in terms of defining support for this trend. So, you know, you heard from a city strategist earlier. He gave you a downside target. That was based on a break. Not 
not to tell you what his work was, but you right. look at the next moving average down, you go to the 150 day, I think it comes in around that 5,600 level. Oh, so, so the only thing that's to, worked, look, look, the 50 day was up around 12.5. I thought you might get a bounce off there on Friday. It, obviously, that worked really well, but you use a 12.3 stop. Whatever is using, whatever you use to get into a trade, use to get out. Right. Keep tight stops at crypto tops. That's the first rule of trading, and that's what we're staring at here. Um, so you think crypto is a pile of something not good? Uh, are, the crypt, uh, <laughs> are the crypto proxy stocks, like an overstock is what I'm really thinking of, because that's probably the closest thing. Um, is it also in this pile? Well, look, it's interesting that, that the stocks that have been painted with sort of the tint of crypto, Square, NVIDIA is another mm -hmm. one, not to say NVIDIA is a pure play, obviously a lot going on there with AI stock that, that I love, by the way. They've held up pretty well, all things considered. So I think there are probably two different discussions. At least those companies have fundamentals, whereas this stuff over here, not so much in terms of the fundamentals. So let's separate the stock discussion. But of course, some people will trade them sort of in tandem. But once again, stocks are doing just fine, even amidst the carnage here. It sounds like you just hate it, or you would hate it when clients ask you about cryptocurrency. Well, I just think as I travel... You're like, why are we talking about this when there are actually stocks to invest in that, that are moving? I think, look, I'm an institutional analyst, which is not to say that they are better than retail, but I focus on institutions, okay? Those are the people that, that sort of pay my way in this world. And all of that being said, <laughs> I can't find a single one that has bought a single cryptocurrency they can't, for the fund. they can't, but they're asking you because they, they want to. No, they're asking me because <laughs> they own it in their personal accounts. So uh. these are traders, these are people looking for a shortcut that are gambling. If the government wants to crack down on crypto, rich, rich, they can rich, legalize rich, rich, football rich, rich, rich. Some of the smartest people <laughs> in finance, in technology, in investing, they're fascinated by this stuff. They're fascinated by cryptography. They're fascinated by the blockchain. They, if you talk about fundamentals of these things. They don't have any cash flows or this and that or whatever. You could have seen the same thing about Web 1.0 and some big, pretty big winners, okay? So right now, Bitcoin just happens to be the best use case for blockchain technology. And some of the smartest people in the world are convinced that this is going to be the next big thing the way the Internet was. So I just think it's a little glib to come on here and say, you know, yeah. say things like if you want doubles well, by Boeing, Boeing's had $93 billion in right, sales the last five years. And, and now they become a lot more profitable. Look, you guys like it when we fight, so let's fight yeah. for a little bit. I was there for Web 1.0. I watched Amazon go from one to a thousand yep. and back to one yep. before it went to a thousand again. Yep. And you know what? Smart people can go broke, too. We've seen that many times, not just on Fast Money. So the charts are going to save them, right? The charts are going to save them? What, what's going to save them? Your analysis, you've been bearish for two years, and the stock market's gone up 100%. So yeah. where are you? You're not helping people make money. I mean, let's yeah. call it what well, it no, is. That's, that's not you true. haven't liked no. Trump. The market soared. And uh, take politics aside, you've been wrong. So don't say that I'm glib. There's a, it's right or wrong. It's not about glib or serious. I think Dan's done a good, listen, Dan's outspoken in many Dan, things, but Dan's, Dan's had helped. Some good uh, trades. Absolutely. So, so guys, we, we're getting we, angry. We we're good. We got, we got, you know, we got the chartist here. He's got his stick, and, and it's fantastic, pal. Well, it is what it is. The don't don't come on here and tell me I've been, but you, you, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what my, my call is. Okay, so go piss off, seriously. Oh, okay. Well, tell me, what's the call now? Dude, seriously. Okay, a tough moment here on Fast we're gonna, Money. We're going to leave it there.
Rich, thank you. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Evercore ISI. Well, look, the, the, I think Wait, the point is that there's no question that there are a lot of people on every strata of this market structure that are investing in, in the infrastructure here. There's also no denying the fact that some of the biggest investors in, in Bitcoin are probably people that know nothing about stocks. And I think that's the crossfire that Rich finds himself in. Ultimately, uh, when you're trying to pick a level on Bitcoin, um, right now, if the 100-week average is something that's violated, that's something that looks kind of scary. And I think the reality is it's been holding it until it's not. All right. I hope they hug it out. Still ahead. All this talk about Bitcoin has us wondering one thing. Where in the world is BK? Well, we actually where? tracked him down. And you will not believe how he is trading, the, trading this crypto carnage. That is later. Plus, Pete's made his way over to the plaza warming up to the pitch. The one stock he says will deliver big profits when it reports earnings in a few weeks. The name? <laughs> when Fast Money Returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Time for an instant replay. One year ago, Pete said that Humana was headed higher. Fundamentals. It's always about fundamentals, no matter what company we're talking about each and every day here on the show. When you go back to Q3 and you take a look at those numbers, beat on earnings, they beat on the revenue, $55 billion in revenue, by the way. Their full year forecast looks very, very strong. The stock's trading 203 today. I think it's going higher. Pete was right. Stock did go higher. Shares are up 35% since the call. So, Pete, oh. what do you do with this now? I'm still holding on to it. Really? Uh, I like this name. I like the healthcare space. Yeah, you. yeah, I know. I, I'm, I'm turning more and more as I get older. Dance by the door. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a lot more in my holding stocks category than I do almost, almost equal now with my options trading. So uh, I like the name. I like what Humana looks like going forward. I also like United Health. I mean, there can be arguments about various stocks and which one's better than the other one or whatever. But I like both. I've been in both. But I think Humana goes higher. All right. Well, it is earnings season and it is in full gear. And since you've been on fire, Pete, why don't you head over to the plasma? All Give right. us your next pitch. Well, I got another one now. Guy just, I think about a week ago, was up here and he was talking about something in the same exact space. I think Guy was pitching Fed. Was it? Uh, Federal Express. Federal FDX Express. comes out, sure. Well, nicely done. Well, I'm giving you UPS, and I own this stock. I've owned this stock for quite a while as well, another one of these longer holds, and I continue to want to hold it, and here's why. I always start off with management. I always like to know who's running the company and how well they're executing. I think this management is absolutely outstanding. I think they're innovative. They're aggressive. Obviously, that coyote to actually come into the logistics part has been a huge benefit for them. I love that. This should actually read more growth. I know I put it up there, but it's tax reform. There's all kinds of growth going on right now for UPS. And because of that, I look at a revenue growth of 7%. That's pretty spectacular when you look at a name like this. They've got growth across the board. Internationally, I think plenty of room for expansion. Presently, 62% of the revenues in the United States, about 20-some-odd percent internationally. I think that can grow and be something really huge. And lastly, I'm going to just tell you, Shareholder friendly. These guys do an outstanding job. They give you a great dividend yield. They have retired 200. They've bought back 200 million shares in the last decade. That's something that's not financial engineering. That's been part of the game plan of this company. I like that. I like the way the management's looking forward. And you want to talk about growth? The package growth for these guys by 2022 is set to be about 100% from here. It's going to double. So that's pretty impressive. I like the entire story behind UPS. Hey, Pete, I, I do too. And, yep. you know, FedEx is traded like a tech stock and UBS is not that much farther behind it. Problem is the valuation. What do you do with that here? Do they deserve to re-rate? Yeah, the valuation is a little bit difficult, Kim or Tim. I do understand that, but I would say this. When I look at this company, I see a company that actually has all of the growth that actually makes that PE look a little bit better when I start to look at it on a forward. And so because of that, I think this has more upside. 
Anybody else? My quick question would okay. be, can Federal Express and UPS live in the same world? And does valuation concern you? Uh, UPS is a smidge more expensive than FedEx. Uh, the valuation, no, but they can live in the same world because when you look at e-commerce and the growth that we all know is going on, and it's no longer just an Amazon story, everybody's getting into that space. That's why the package growth is growing so fast. I actually think both can survive and both can do very, very well. Time to vote. Are you guys buying Pete's pitch on UPS? Uh, Guy, why don't you kick it off? Well, I work there, and that's what I'm saying. So if I oh work there, I'm, I think FedEx and UPS can exist. So giddy, <laughs> giddy, giddy up. Dan. Uh, he makes a great case on a lot of levels. Uh, you buy it, you stick with Pete. He's been knocking the ball out of the park. Tim? I tell you what, I only buy it if Guy's on the truck, and apparently he is. <laughs> that's an amazing buy. Wow, that's a great job you by you. You sign that. Don't sign it's for it sale, everybody. Donated my favorite charity. Brilliant. Brilliant. We have to at least cover the cost of the whiteboard, by the way. Yes. <laughs> Home Please. run here, Pete. Good job. Thanks. So to Pete deliver on his pitch for UPS, why don't you head to Twitter right now? You can vote at CNBC Fast Money uh, and express your views. We will reveal the results later in the show. Plus, it is the question on everybody's mind. Where the heck is BK? Well, we tracked him down, and we're going to ask him all about his latest crypto calls. Much more Fast Money still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. As Bitcoin undergoes its worst two-day sell-off in three years, you may have noticed a resident crypto baller, BK, has not been on this desk all this week. And that sparked outrage from our Twitter followers. Cryptosis wrote to us, Brian Kelly, where are you at? Looking forward to some crypto sanity and Fast Money. That one actually isn't so bad. There's more, though. Sal tweeted to us yesterday, that is so pathetic, hiding like a child. Come on, man up. And then there's Shade Cloud who wrote, what are you doing over there, BK? Did you break crypto? We want to let you know that we do read all of your tweets, nice and not so nice, some that we couldn't even include or say on the air. And for the record, the account is not run by an intern. So we decided to track down BK. Turns out he's not hiding at all. He's at a crypto conference in Switzerland, and he joins us now on the Fast Line. Hey, BK. Hey, how are you? Good to see hear from you. Yeah, I can't imagine what it's like to be at a crypto conference with this uh, massive sell-off going on across the board. Um, you know, you've been a vocal bull on all things crypto, so we decided that we'd play a little buy, seller sell, or hold with you, BK, if that's all right with you. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. Actually, it's buy, sell, or hodl um, for this. <laughs> Bitcoin, buy, sell, or hodl? Oh, I bought some yesterday, so I'm a big buyer of Bitcoin here. A big buyer. So at what level did you buy? You think we saw the worst of it in terms of this particular sell-off this time? Yeah, I think so. So I bought at about 11000 yesterday, so it was a little earlier. It was painful this morning watching it drop into the nine. Uh, but the thing you have to remember about what's going on, these are regulatory changes. These aren't fundamental changes to the story behind Bitcoin. So, yes, it's painful. It's awful. It, it, you want, it makes you want to throw up on your shoes. But those are the times to buy. So to me, that's why I bought yesterday. All right, let's move on to uh, some of your more exotic calls earlier this month. You showed everyone how to buy Ripple. I did. I'm still holding Ripple from those levels, and uh, I'm a holder from here. I still think there's a lot of upside in 2018, particularly uh, when some of these new pilots and deals uh, start kicking it. All right, so you're holding Ripple, even though it's down 50% since that time when you said uh, when you showed us how to buy Ripple. And by the way, for all you Twitter haters out there, because I've been getting my fair share of this uh, <laughs> hate you? tweet. Come on, Mel, that's yes, not yes, fair. I'm just, I'm just the messenger here. I'm nice. just the messenger. BK was showing you how to buy Ripple. 
how I'm to telling, buy I'm a report. telling you to. There's a difference here. Right. Um, anyway, let's move on. Stellar, just last week, Beeks, you said the coin was about to break out. Take a listen to this first. Where do I think it can go on the upside here? Trading 55 to 60 cents would not surprise me to see this thing over a dollar, so a double, especially if they announce some kind of news or if anybody comes out and says, hey, we're going to be start using this uh, like MoneyGram is. Stellar is down 35% since that call. Not so Buy, sell, or hodl, BK. So it's, it's a painful hodl, but I, but I stand by what I said a week ago. Uh, I still think there's a lot uh, in this point. So hold. Well, and, and lastly, BK, before we let you go, what is the environment like at this crypto conference in Switzerland? I mean, is there a fair amount of hand-wringing there, or is everybody just so um, such believers in this that they don't even care that this is going on? Uh, well, they certainly care, but, but I'm certainly in a, in a crypto bubble here, and people believe in this technology <laughs> and believe that the next three to five years is going to be the, uh, the best time to invest in this. So um, there is not a ton of hand-wringing. It doesn't feel good, but um, the atmosphere is pretty good here. All right. Beeks, thanks for phoning in from Switzerland. We do appreciate it. BK, once again, right, is not... Girl. I'm bringing you all Tobler home. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We love those things. <laughs> Triangular chocolates. They're the best. Crunches. He better bring, like, a lot oh, of them back. What is, I know yeah. you probably explained... What, what is, is... Did I miss something, Hodel? Is that... Hodel is hold because at one point in time, somebody... Said just hold it, but misspelled hold. They misspelled hold. And Listen that to became the tunes a thing. too, guy. I mean, you you've got a pretty extensive it's rap catalog. Subreddit, sure does. And a water and a subreddit. Hold My God. What so have you rap. done during this crypto carnage? Um, you know, I'm kind of with BK. Listen, I, I I've just stuck with the ones on Coinbase, and this is how I'm expressing a long-term bullish view. I understand the volatility, so I've been trading them too. But today I bought, um, or yesterday and today I bought Ethereum, and I had to uh, average down a little bit, but it was also playing it the way uh, I think you were playing yep. the GBT see a little bit yep. just playing for a reversal how do you know when to cut your losses well i tell you 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 have to have a stop in place first of all and then you have to be able to be disciplined around that i, I think having a hard stop in place in something this volatile is suicide uh, i've been investing in emerging markets for a long time again hard stops are uh, i think get you in trouble on big days like today you have to have a level that's a place to have a conversation. It's a place to have a sanity check. And you always should be investing uh, as much as you're willing to lose, as we talked about in the trading part of your portfolio, which to me is 2 to 5% of that which you're willing to trade actively. And what was your sanity check on Ethereum? Well, to me, Ethereum, first of all, my, my entry level is around 460. Um, my view, like Dan's, is a very long-term one. I, I will just acknowledge that I think that this is a platform that continues to be at least a place for a lot of different decentralized platforms to operate. That alone, to me, is enough until I hear otherwise. And as best we can all do our fundamental research on this, it's still something to hold. The volatility, Brian said the fundamentals didn't change today. I do think that getting... More regs involved does change the fundamentals. It doesn't necessarily change them for the worse. All right, still ahead. Traders are piling into one beaten down Dow stock that's getting a boost on blockchain as well as AI. That's a culinary equivalent of MSG and sugar. We'll give you the name and how high the traders see it going when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Take a look at this chart. Can you guess which stock it is? We'll give you a hint. It's up more than 10% this year alone, now the third best performer in the Dow, and it's making a big bet on blockchain. If you guess IBM, you're right. 
Big Blue jumping nearly 3% today after Barclays upgraded the stock from underweight to overweight. Um, and this is IBM dives deeper into blockchain technology, partnering with shipping giant Maersk to create a blockchain service that will speed up global trade. So is Big Blue's bet on blockchain enough to keep its rally going? I think so. And I'm not going to pretend I've been some IBM bull because I haven't. I've been very bearish for literally years, and that's been correct. But last quarter finally gave you a glimmer of hope. And now Barclays comes out and says the worst might be over this raise their price target. I think to 190 from 133. My assertion has been the stock will continue to rally in the earnings. I thought it would get to 180. I still think that tomorrow after the bell, you might see year-over-year revenue growth for the first time in 23 quarters. They still have absolute headwinds out there, and valuation is probably a bit expensive. But I think the momentum continues to carry the stock towards 180. Well, as Guy had mentioned, IBM is reporting after the bell. So uh, let's check on the options action to see what traders are betting on. Dan. Yeah, so the options market is implying about a 3.5% move in either direction. Um, you know, that is kind of shy to the 5% move over the last four quarters. Um, <laughs> When they report tomorrow afternoon, I think obviously investors are going to be looking at the strategic imperatives. That's some of their fastest growing businesses, the uh, cloud and cognitive solutions. Um, but blockchain, you know, at this point is not a particularly big business. Business and services um, last year, the entire industry might have been a little less than a billion dollars. Some analysts expect that to get to $8 billion over the next five years. IBM, though, might have gotten about 30% of that. So they could be well positioned. So, you know, call volume today ran pretty hot into this print. Like Mel said, the stock is up 10% on the year already. Maybe it's a dog of the Dow play. Maybe there's some excitement just about mega cap tech uh, in general. But the most active calls today were 4,500 of the January 170 calls that expire on Friday's expiration. They traded at about uh, 270 average throughout the day. So that seems like a pretty decent way to play for that beat and raise. And, and let me just tell you this. If you just look at this chart, uh, Carter on Options Action on Friday afternoon, who is a fine technical analyst, he thinks that this is a very nice head and shoulders looking bottom here. So you have a beat and a raise. You're going to have this thing fill in this gap. You could see it um, back towards the high 170s pretty easily. All right. Thanks for that, Dan. For more <laughs> options action, check out the full show Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Still ahead. Did Pete's pitch for UPS make you want to buy the stock? Some of you are. The stock is up in the after-hour session. You can vote in our poll still right now. It is up on our Fast Money Twitter handle. We'll reveal the results right after this. Welcome back. You know what Brian can do for you? Give you the time of your life. Buying Pete's pitch for UPS, heading into earnings. Congrats, Pete. The stock, by the way, is up by 8 tenths of a percent in the after hours. Final trade time, Pete. Well, I like the stock enough. This thing's going higher. UPS, giddy up, big dogs. Tim. CBD in Brazil. Dan's a smart part of this show. He is. I second that. Dan. I like your call on Intel. Nice. We're together, buddy. Johnson & Johnson, we can all use some, some pharmaceuticals about now. Jay and Jay will get you done. <laughs> I'm Melissa Lee. Thanks for uh, watching. See you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast. Mad Money starts right now. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.